This show was first broadcast on Free FM, Hamilton, New Zealand's community access media organisation. For more information on our lineup of shows and the role we play in the media, visit freefm.org.nz. Om Saram to our listeners. Welcome to Saturday News number 874. And today we'll be hearing part two of a talk given by Nikhil Kosik, of, uh, originally from Bangalore, India. And he has been a devotee of Swami since his childhood. Nikhil's uh, family has been associated with uh, Sri Satasai since 1943. Nikhil's uh, great-grandfather, Sri Rao, was the first official pujari of Swami. It was his family who actually started the Akhand Bhajan in 1946, led by his grandmother, Srimati Sundararama. So I am glad Billy Moria. I offer my most loving and humble pranams at the Lord's feet of our beloved Bhagwan Sri Sai Baba. So the topic uh, for today is uh, From Swami to Sai. And this was recorded uh, from Region 8 of USA. They had a discussion on the 24th of March this year. So let's hear the final part two. I can tell you a lot of things, but it will never substitute for your in-person visit day. So why don't you join me when I go the next time? Come and just experience Puttaparthi yourself and, and see if you like it. If not, it's totally fine. It's just like another, like a long drive and a picnic for all of us. So let's just go there and spend some time and come. So this was an occasion where I came down home from uh, in 2001 and I wanted to go to Puttaparthi, but I wanted to go with somebody else. And, and I asked all my friends and for some reason, either they were not interested to come or they had come with me before already. So they didn't want to come again. And those who did not come before, who hadn't come before, were for some reason not available to join me on the weekend. And I had just that weekend for myself to go to Puttaparthi. So I was very, very disappointed that I have to go by myself now. And my mother wasn't sure that she wanted to send me alone. And those days, the access to Puttaparthi was not like how we have today. It was not a two-hour journey from Bangalore. You just take a car and go. It was a little more harder. There used to be frequent buses. It, it still took about four and a half hours to five hours. And, and she wasn't very sure if she wanted to send me alone. So she always wanted me to find somebody to go along with. But there was nobody available, which means I couldn't go to Puttaparthi. So I had to return to my hostel the next week. And so I was very, very disappointed. And I kept thinking, saying, Swami, what is this? Like, just because nobody wants to come with me, can I not even come for darshan? So that's not fair. Like, I, I should be able to come. So do something about it. And this was on, on, a, on a Saturday morning. And I literally had just one day I had to return on Sunday evening because Monday I had to get back. So... I was thinking what to do and I didn't know what to do. And when Saturday afternoon, my mother got a phone call from his, her sister. And it was just a random phone call because she wanted to talk to my mother about something else. So she called up and asked my mother and they just kept talking. And in, a, in, in the passing conversation, my mother happened to mention to her saying, hey, Nikhil's been asking that he wants to go to Puttaparthi and I've told him I cannot send him all by himself because I want him to go with somebody else, but there seems to be nobody. So he's a little upset about it. So to that, my aunt said, hey, two of his cousins actually just left to Puttaparthi in the bus in the afternoon. So what he could do is actually, if you can make him just sit in the bus, just put him on the bus. He knows where they live in Puttaparthi. He can go there and join them. And on the way back, 
he can come back along with them so it's only the question of going there and as soon as he reaches there he can just go and join them in their house and i don't think they'll mind so why don't you send him if he really wants to go so and my mother was convinced about that she said okay fine so my my father dropped me to the bus station i i got out of the bus i i was sitting in the bus alone and there was another gentleman sitting next to me and even before the bus started to move we just happened to have a casual conversation and he was asking me where i was from and the same thing from him and 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 suddenly in the conversation he asked me saying where are you going and i was a little surprised with that question because the the bus was for puttaparthi and and most of the devotees were just going in that bus and though it did have a few stops on the way pretty much everybody took that bus only to go to puttaparthi so i was surprised by his question but i still answered and said i'm going to puttaparthi and and he said um, does this bus go all the way to puttaparthi and nowhere else and you know some very very obvious questions and i was very surprised why he was asking that nevertheless i just answered something and we we started to talk and the bus started and on our journey i just casually happened to ask him hey so so where are you coming from what are you what are you up to you know and and then he had a long story to narrate so he actually lived in indonesia in jakarta and he had a very very severe personal problem with finances or something like that i don't exactly recollect but he it took him it took a such a drastic turn that he was even contemplating suicide and and somebody at that point of time he happened to accompany somebody to a to a center where they were singing sai bhajans and one of the one of the members there while while went kept distributing swami's pictures to everybody and and this person also got a picture of swami because he was just he happened to be there and he didn't even know who this person was who swami was and he just took it and he said what is this why are you giving me this hmm. and that person told him saying hey this is sai baba just keep this photograph in your pocket it it might come to your help hmm. and and he kept that photograph in his pocket and totally forgot about it and on he told me that the day he was actually contemplating the suicide coming to suicide so he was wearing the same shirt and he had this picture in his pocket and he he picked that he just sensed that he had something in his pocket and he picked that uh picture and for some reason he remembered that statement that person made saying if you are in trouble this can come to your help just keep it with you hmm. so as a last resort he thought okay i don't know who this is i have no idea how this person is going to help me but because that person said sai baba is going to help me let me just find out who he is and he went on inquiring about who sai baba is and somebody told him this is sai baba he lives in india so he was like he lives in india so now if i have to ask him for help i have to go all the way to india now <laughs> and uh, he said yeah you have to go to india there's no other way you can contact him so he said he he just put his plan on hold to suicide to commit suicide and he said why don't i go and ask this person for help i don't know what what he can do but let me just go ask him so he took that step to you know travel to india he landed in delhi because that was the only place he knew about india he took a flight and and he came to delhi and landed in delhi airport and started to inquire about i need to see this person where do i go and and that person told him this sai baba he lives in southern part of india it's not northern india so you'll have to go all the way down south and the only way to go is you have to take a train and it's about 
two days or journey or so so you have to take a two day train train journey and all the way to hyderabad and from there you can take another bus or you can go to bangalore and take a bus and go so and he straight away went from the airport to the railway station purchased a ticket the next available ticket to bangalore and then he traveled in by train to bangalore and in bangalore the bus station happens to be exactly opposite to the railway station mm-hmm. he got on from the train came to the bus station and inquired how to go to puttaparthi and then there he was sitting right next to me and it was just 3 days or so that he had been in india and he hadn't met anybody he doesn't know anybody there he was just all out to himself and had no clue what this puttaparthi is who the sai baba is and why he needs to go and how he can get help Uh, that's the whole story he narrated to me when i uh, when when i was going with him to puttaparthi in the bus and and i was i was fascinated by his story and i was like all right so if you want me to help you there i can help you there and and i i went there i met him the next day i stayed with my cousins i met him the next day there and then i took him around puttaparthi he had no idea so we went to darshan together we walked around put puttaparthi went to the chitravati river and various different places beautiful places in parthi and we I, he stayed there for longer i stayed there for another day or so and then i came back and and then i just realized on how things had transpired and there i was asking for my friends to join me and i was so eagerly wanted to take somebody to puttaparthi for the first time who was going there for the first time no but unknowingly i became an instrument in again in swami's hand right so he had his own journey to make to puttaparthi and there i was um in a much better way i could i could uh, do exactly the same thing mm. so that was my again the reason i narrated this incident was because these were some of the things that i started to believe that you know swami i he doesn't have to be in person uh for me to interact with him uh and and even without having him in person i pray to him and some prayers get very very beautifully responded and some of these are very miraculous in their own ways yeah yeah that said here's the last thing i would say dr johnson so on, on your question right so mm-hmm. that said i still had swami in this form that i have right though he was not there in person to me swami was still the same form like the picture is there behind me the same form that i we all know him and that's how i imagine him to be and in the recent past few years as i've grown up now and in the recent past years what attracts me to swami more than the form that earlier used to attract me has slowly metamorphosized into the message that i hear from him in the last few years i've started to listen more and more to his discourses mm. and one thing that has has really really appealed to me and attracted to me is this that discourse after discourse if you listen the crux of the discourse the core message of the discourse is still the same in every single discourse right he uses different stories he uses different analogies he uses different poems he uses different you know uh examples and humor and all of that but then the core message is still the same and i if i have to distill it and i'll take the risk of distilling the swami's message the two things that come to my mind is one is all of us are embodiments of the divine and we need to realize that and the second is we should plan our lives in the worldly way the way we live our worldly life right now you plan your journey in a way 
and and spend the time in a way that you realize that first message mm. those were the two things that stood out to me discourse after discourse and of course he details out various different ways and how you will plan the journey and stuff like that but then those are the two things just you are an embodiment of divine all of you are embodiments of divine divinity remember that and realize that that's pretty much the end objective or the goal and rest of your journey plan it and approach your worldly life in such a way that will help you realize that goal so you know it's like serving different serving using different cutlery depending mm-hmm. on different situation some fancy some simple but the the dish is the same right so ultimately it's the same thing so this was my second unlock uh to swami where he said i i'm here to give you these two key messages so to think of swami or limit swami that he answers our prayers like i need a job so he gives gets me a job or or i need to buy a house or he helps me buy a house is like is like thinking what i like my mother because she cooks breakfast in the morning or i like my mother because she gets me the toys that i want right yes she does all that but she is designing your life she's helping you shape your life in a much broader way for a much bigger objective though we don't really realize that as we go through that so to me thinking about swami in a very very nutshell in a small way in the physical form or, or in the form that we imagine is like that because he's much broader uh and and much universal and his message is pretty much the answer to everything so i feel that's the core reason why i thought moving from swami to sai is a journey and the sooner we make the transition the, the more beneficial it will be for us yes yes sorry long very long answer to your question but i i just wanted to lay out like how i moved from swami thinking about swami to what i'm thinking more of sai yes Yes, well, you know that that is quite fascinating, and um, you know how it works for me when I hear you know what you explained about the bus trip and all these various things. You know, he said uh, several times, "This is no ordinary presence; this is omnipresence." Hmm. And um, there's some reference in one of Jack Hislop's book about uh, how did you know this, Swami? I was over there, and you were over there, and all this. And he said, "Well, I came as omnipresent consciousness. That's how I knew what was going on, all the details." but his his presence has often been you know we 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 get so much i mean earlier i talked about the path is evolutionary and it seems as if you're actually involved in that evolutionary process uh, increasingly on a conscious level that's and true. that's how it sort of has come to me too you know this idea of you study you study you mature spiritually you engage in practice and then uh you start to get inner guidance and you see things in what you've studied that you hadn't seen before as he brings you closer and closer and expands your own consciousness well you know I, i was going to uh as we discussed um you know prior to uh this day uh i mentioned that i've spent lots of time with the bhagavad gita especially uh chapter 12 and in that chapter which focuses on devotion he talks about he it could be swami krishna you know talked about how difficult it was to travel the path of the transcendent you mm. know the unmanifested difficult for physical man to achieve um and there are those who feel that way you know i mean lots of us feel that we can connect uh, with the omnipresent sai who lives in our heart and we feel just as much strength and connection there 
But on the other hand, there are those who may say, well, Swami says that's a difficult path, that we should just do Namaskarana. Uh, you know, we should just do this and do that. And that's where I feel safe and comfortable that I'm going to stick to that. So what would you say to devotees um, about this uh, process that you, you're engaged in now and that uh, many uh, devotees who have been with him a long time are also now engaged in? What would, what would you say to those who say, oh, it's very difficult. Mm-hmm. I, I need the form. I, I must have the form. You know, that that idea. Yeah, no, that's a really good question. So the, you know, Swami has beautiful, this I think is one of the most beautiful aspects of Swami and how, how he distills the message of these scriptures, um, like Gita or, or Bhagavatam or any of these scriptures, right, of our mythological stories and messages into very simple, easy to understandable ways. And, and he has beautifully said, you know, in a very simple sentence, life is a game played. Mm-hmm. Right? All of us have heard him say this numerous times. I like to think of it exactly that way, like how we think of a game, right? And for a second or for a few minutes, if we just imagine this game to be an obstacle race, right? Just imagine that we have signed up for an obstacle race. Once you know that you're in an obstacle race, what you are then asking for is not that you don't want any obstacles because you've already grounded in the reality and you've accepted that you will be faced with obstacles. What you're now trying to optimize is how do I overcome those obstacles, right? Mm-hmm. But I'm at that point, I think like the classic way and how you approach it is, okay, now I'm going to get some obstacles. So what is my end objective? Like where do I need to finally go to call it a finish line? That would be my overall strategy or a plan. And then you try that as a next step, you try to train for that to say, what should I do now? And how do I practice on a daily basis to reach mm-hmm. that end objective? Right. If you think of exactly the same thing for our lives, it ties back into what two messages that I thought Swami was giving, which is realize the end in mind that all of us are aspects of the same divinity. That is the end objective. That is the overall purpose. Right. So let's try to aspire to get to that end point. Now, meanwhile, while you go there, what you need to do is spend the rest of your life to plan to get there or adopt your worldly journey in such a way that you gain to the, get to that end objective, which means in an obstacle race, now you've realized or you've at least accepted that there's an end, end objective and that's my objective, that's my purpose where I need to get to. But now I need to train on a daily basis to get to that place. And every day that we go through and every obstacle that we meet is just like the training process. And how do we go and do the training process? He spent more than 70 years of his life to exactly teach us that through various resources. So I feel if we just accept and accept that there will never be a time where we will not have any obstacles. There will always be difficulty. There will always be obstacles while we get there. The Mm -hmm. point is not to really hope or aspire for a life which will not have obstacles. But the point is really to say, how do I use that obstacles? Because every obstacle gives us value, right? So every time you train to something harder and you fail, you're getting better at it. So I think approaching it that way helps us. Recently, one last thing I would say is that, you know, um, I recently read a message, which I feel was very apt for me when I, when I was thinking of not having, you know, un, un, uh, unnecessary uh, expectations from life, which is, You know, the message read something like this. 
your kindness may be treated as weakness still be kind mm. mm-hmm. your help to others may go unnoticed but still be helpful though you're honest people may still be dishonest with you but still be honest anyway mm-hmm. and if you do good to people people might still do may not do good to you but do good anyway yes because at the end of it it was never between you and them it is always between you and him yes yes right so we have these these uh, you know very very uh, superficial view of the world that everything will go in one way in, 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 in no obstacle way everything will be fine yeah. well that's probably not the case and we have unrealistic expectations out of that yeah you know nikhil this is so interesting because that what you just quoted I've, i've shared that with my students for 20 or 30 years it's it's an old uh, sort of a poem sort of verse uh and it's really really wonderful and even all some of the other things you know the synchronicity is so clear you know yeah with that we're together you know kind of sharing this level of of understanding about swami's omnipresence and the 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 thing we have to do now you know i had one more question but we've only got a couple more minutes before i have to close out and pass it back sure. but i i just wanted to mention this ask you this question you know on a couple of occasions uh, swami you know kind of chided me about my own sadhana essentially saying that i should elevate and advance my practice it was really kind of clever and and kind of funny the way he did it on these two occasions and i won't go into that but at the time you know he didn't tell me what i should do you know don't do this he was suggesting but he didn't say exactly what i should do you know he you know he he doesn't always tell you directly it's some of the guidance is subtle and it comes from within after you really get more serious about uh, engaging in your practice but you know i went on and you know reflected deeply about the supreme light in the gayatri you know the brahmananda prayer i am god you know i am not different from god uh the light meditation what that means and all those things you know reflecting about what that means and you know you get some inner guidance and you put it into practice but you know the final question here we've only got a couple minutes left can you tell our listeners you started already Uh, how might we refine our practice and cultivate that nearness with sai in, in our hearts with the omnipresent sai sure so you know um it reminds me this question actually reminds me of a very often oft quoted story from uh, putaparthi school um apparently there was a boy in the school who was very very enthusiastic to please swami with his sadhana but didn't really know what sadhana to do so in in an opportunity that he got to interact with swami he asked the question swami i want to do sadhana to make you happy what sadhana should i do hmm. and and his swami's response to him was you live in a hostel the hostel has a routine they wake up really early in the morning you do suprabhatam then you do bhajans then you have your breakfast you go to school in your foyer there are bhajans then you go attend your classes lunch again afternoon classes evening darshan then you play sports then you come back have your dinner you fin- you know you study for some time and then do your night prayer and go to bed there is a very fixed schedule in your hostel every single step in that schedule is something that i have taken effort to design it for you so you don't need to do any other sadhana all you need to do 
is just follow that hostel schedule and stick to the spirit of it and that is enough and i will be happy with that right nothing else you know that was a beautiful answer very simple easy to follow it was not very abstract right very pragmatic simple schedule just to show taking a leaf out of that tree right swami has now taken 70 years and if i if i can say 1940s when he declared his avatarhood mm-hmm. and ever since there for 70 odd years all he has done is laid out such beautiful things for us to actually follow right whether and depending on what we like whether we like bhakti marg whether we like gnan marg whether we like seva marg whatever path we want to choose he has designed some beautiful initiatives right we want to follow bhakti marg he has bhajans and festivals and vedam you want to do seva he has like you know gram seva the hospitals you want gnan marg he's given discourses he's written volumes of books to read for us to know so whichever part we want whichever path that we want he has given us these tools and methodologies for us to follow and and you know in a beautiful example he has also said these three marks are not exclusive it's not like if you follow one you don't need the other two think of that as an auto rickshaw you know those small three three wheeler vehicles which are in india right the one that you like the most should be the front wheel and the other two will be the supporting wheels behind so make them supporting you do maximum if you like bhajans do that the most but also complement that with some sort of gnan marg or some sort of seva marg right so mm-hmm. he has given us this beautiful schedule and he has given us this wonderful organization think about it right you and i are interacting today because there is a schedule of events that we are following as a part of an organization mm-hmm. which just makes us do things come together and do some spiritual activities for us and i think if we just follow that schedule yes that should be that should be good enough sadhana right we don't need to do anything extra and yeah. one last thing i would say in in a minute more uh, and stop there was one particular incident where when my mother had an opportunity to go in front of swami and uh, swami was giving her some present he was giving her a sari or something like that in an occasion and she confessed in him and said swami i i am not able to take this because i am not doing any seva to you at all i used to do a lot of activities before i used to come to puttaparthi quite often before but nowadays i'm just so lost with my family and my work and all that i am just not able to do anything for you so i feel very guilty to accept this gift from you hmm. swami's response to her was i know that wherever you are every morning you sing my prayer you sing my bhajans to yourself and i am more than pleased with that that is enough for me so you are completely entitled to take this so please take this so mm-hmm. i will i will never forget that because we are in the in that position a lot of times we just get caught in lot of different ways but mm-hmm. that's all it takes to please swami and that's the offering that the least that we can give mm-hmm. so that shouldn't be as difficult for all of us i feel yeah and you know in this age and with his presence on the earth you know in in physical form and now you know as omnipresent sai he said uh, so many times there's so little you have to do and and i read something very similar to what you just said uh just in this past week or so mm. and i remember there's one one devotee too uh, a devotee that many would know and he said well swami what can i do what should i do he said just remember the times that you saw me and you were with me that's enough So really you know we have to have full faith that he's with us he's guiding us and he actually came for us you know i mean he came to rescue us and if we have faith in that and just engage in the practice even a little bit you know consistently will help 
So let me let me just say this in closing, you know, I'd like to grace the listeners with a wonderful, wonderful wisdom of Swami. Um, he said this, by an inordinate attachment to the seen, one becomes an alien to the realm of the unseen. Know that the unseen is the basis of the seen. The unseen gives stability and value to the seen. The unseen is the one that is true and valid. In spite of the warnings administered by countless saints throughout the centuries, people have forsaken the unseen for the sake of the seen. The unseen alone can confer contentment and courage to face fortune as well as misfortune. So your topic was really good. And I know we could go on, you and I could probably go on for two or three hours or maybe even two or three days. It was really, really wonderful, Nikhil. So I'll have to call you up sometimes and we're gonna swap some more stories. Anyway, thank you so much for taking the time and being with us in Region 8. Thanks for listening to this Free FM podcast. If you want to hear more content like this, you can support Free FM via Patreon. Head to patreon.com slash freefm89 to find out more.